need to hear you. I raise a hallelujah over every circumstance. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. The power of worship. Death is defeated and the king is alive. It says, it says my weapon is formed by my melody. And if you're not singing out, you're not fighting a battle. You're giving way to the darkness. And we will give no ground back that the Lord has helped us to redeem and claim. And our foundation is to be built on solid rock. Amen? Amen. Get off the shifting sand and get on a solid rock in your life. So I found something this morning. I want to share it with you. And it has to do with this. And, you know, we, we're here. Our kids are here. Our car made it here. We got through the house. Some of us may have ebbed and flowed and had difficult times. But you are here. You are here this morning. And it says you're here, so are we ready for church? I saw the pastor, the pastor's here, so we're ready for that. But the most important part, if we think that this is just a warm-up to what God wants to do, this is part of what God wants us to do today. And that is to worship in spirit and in truth. And it says this here, right here, it says the word uh, nishon, which means victory. Through the Hebrew roots of our faith, we discover that worship is not simply an enjoyable time of music before the message delivers but is actually a means of connecting the eternal realm in a way that brings victory. Hallelujah. Could you stand a little victory this morning? You could, you should, and you should expect it. Now this morning we have our prayer stations that are open and we have our prayer warriors that are back there. Now they're going to pray with you as well because one of the things is you may have told your friend about something that's bothering you, but get some people praying around you and watch what happens to your problem. Watch cancer shrink, amen? Watch finances get reconciled as well, amen? Watch relationships get restored, amen? And watch wayward family members who don't know the Lord come into the family of Christ. Amen? So if you need prayer for those things, don't be afraid. Go to our prayer stations. They are there. They are standing ready and waiting for you. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? Because I saw the set list this morning, Jeanette. You did a great job. I'm excited for what's coming your way. Folks, you got to get in it to win it. Can you do that this morning? All right, lift up your hands. Let's praise the Lord. God, we come before you this morning, God. We give you all of our praise, God. We give you all of our glory, Lord God. To you, God, all glory is due. We worship your name, Lord God. We thank you for this assembly. We thank you for church, Lord God. We thank you that your promises still continue to be yes and amen, and you withhold nothing from us. So, Lord, as we come into this worship time, Lord, we declare victory today over whatever it is that stands against us to keep us from you. We will raise our voice. We will form our weapons with our melody, Lord God. And we will rejoice that death is defeated. And the whole church said, amen. amen. Let's worship. That's so awesome. Because when I was uh, working on this set, the only word that I could hear was victory. And he didn't know that. So just in case I needed a confirmation, thanks, St. John, Pastor St. John, who, whoever you are. I uh, thought, so, yes, let's just do this. <laughs> so oh, I love to see the string of the anointing of the Holy Spirit through all the generations of song. And there's a, a chorus that I want us to sing uh, to start off uh, our, this part of our time of just 
of standing in victory. The, 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 the two things that I want us to think about is there is a, a time when we cry out in desperation for victory, but there's, there is also a time when we cry from victory. And it feels like the Holy Spirit is calling us to say, stop crying out for victory, pray from victory. Pray from that place. Pray from the place of victory. And instead of saying, ah, say thank you for what you're doing that I can't see. Anyways, I'm so excited that you said that about victory because that is way cool. I'm excited enough for all of you. I thought I'd tell you that. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He singing it a little slower than we usually do but I want to do that on purpose oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming love he
like we thought it was going to look. But you have such a bigger picture.
working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop Again, here we go Even when I don't see it, you're working even if I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Sing it again. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That song come out of the Old Testament. The prophets talked about the fact that God was going to raise up a highway in the wilderness that he was going to make a way through the desert. That he'd be a light in the dark place and that cloud that followed the Israelites. And we don't have time to tell the whole Old Testament story, but I want you to know that this comes rooted deeply in Scripture. But I just felt impressed this morning to remind some of you that the reason that you need God to be the way maker is that sometimes you have to go through the desert to get where you're going. You know? <laughs> I mean, every once in a while to get from A to B, <laughs> there's some tough stuff in between. And it's good to get to the destination, but you need a God that's going to make a way in the wilderness because sometimes the path is tough. Sometimes the, the circumstances aren't easy, but they get you from where you are to where you need to be. And the promise is that he makes a way, makes a highway in the desert. He makes a way. And so, Father, we want to thank you for the fact that you are the one who can get us from point A to point B even sometimes when that seems tough, even sometimes when it feels pretty isolated, it feels pretty barren, there's not a whole lot of blessings it doesn't feel like. I thank you, God, that first of all, the destination is worth it, and I thank you, secondly, that you get us there safely. Whatever you have to do, you send bread from heaven if necessary. You part oceans if necessary. You raise the dead if necessary. You get us from A to B. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness, God. In the midst of all of the stuff that we are on a pathway to achieve, I want to thank you that you get us there. You are the way maker. And we give you thanks for that. We give you thanks for that. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, I want you to find at least two people. Look them in the eye and say, God's going to make a way for you. Can you do that? Two people.
All right, some of you are ad-libbing. That's way more than God will make a way. You're, you've, you've started preaching now. You're just carrying on. So <laughs> this feels good to be able to see people and talk to people. It's kind of a fun change. We're enjoying that. Hey, so we've got uh, some things going on. We want to keep you up to speed on uh, all the events that are coming. And so we've got some things on the screen to help keep you informed. Good morning, Parkway. I'm Carissa, and I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning. I have a few things I want to let you know about. First, if you're new or visiting us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Let us know that you're here by filling out one of our Connect cards. You can find that Connect card in the pew in front of you, or you can submit it online at parkwaycc.com slash connectcard. There is so much going on at Parkway and a lot coming up over the summer. You can be in the know anytime by looking at our website at parkwaycc.com slash events or following us on social media on Facebook or Instagram. Hi, Pastor Bethany here, and I'm here to share with you some awesome things about Parkway Kids. At Parkway Kids, we believe that kids should not just be taught who God is, but that they should be shown who God is. That's why we're super passionate about every week setting aside time where kids can encounter God for themselves. A big piece of this too is having volunteers who demonstrate the love of Jesus to our kids on a weekly basis. We also like having tons of fun at Parkway Kids and allowing kids to connect to other kids their own age. That's why every week we split up into small groups and classrooms so kids can feel comfortable asking really tough questions and participate in activities for their own age. Definitely, we could not do small groups and classrooms without volunteers. We also believe that kids are not passive bystanders, but they are active participants in the kingdom of God. We wanna help your kids uncover the unique giftings given to them by God. If this is a team that you would like to be a part of, we would love to have you. It takes around 15 to 20 volunteers every week to effectively minister to the young people in our church. If you want to join, let me know at parkwaycc.com slash people of Parkway. The kids at Parkway are not just the next generation, they are the now generation. These kids will be our leaders. It's Sarah and Elise. Hey, we just got back from Amplify Fine Arts. And then the last couple weeks, you've seen us present some of the things that we're going to be presenting at Nationals. Fine Arts 2021 in Florida. We need, we need your, your help getting there. there. Sunday, June 20th, you have a chance to help us get to Florida with our bake sale. Help us discover, develop, and deploy our God-given gifts for our National Fine Arts at our bake sale. Love you, church family. Be there. Yay! Uh. And, and for those of you that don't know how that works, those are like, you know, $50 cupcakes, $100 cookies. <laughs> this is like a $6,000 trip, so, you know, you can't be giving them a 35 cents for a cookie. That ain't ever going to, we'd have to make 4 million cookies to make that work. So, you know, you, you know how, you get it, right? You, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Okay, so we want to do that. Uh, so for the last week and a half, this has been uh, graduation week here in our community, and we got graduates from all different kinds of schools all over the place, uh, but uh, a significant number of graduates that, that are just part of our family here at Parkway. And uh, so we're back on the screen. We get to see some funny pictures and, uh, well, maybe some parents have embarrassed some kids. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out as we take a look at some graduate pictures.
So there, there's, there's, nev there's never any such thing as one Sunday when everybody's here. But uh, for all of our graduates that are here, we want to invite you up. And Kylie, you got any uh, special instructions to give them? Um, so, yes, come on up. But I totally get to brag on them for a second. So get up. Come on. Don't be weird. Come on. Uh, and at the same time, parents, can you come and get behind your kids? We're going to pray together in a moment. So I'd ask that you guys would come up here or wherever you want. I don't know where you guys are going, but... Actually, if your parents are going to be here, maybe right there is a good spot. It's okay. I'm bad at instructions, and we're just we're figuring this out. Uh, so while they come up here, parents are coming up here. Uh, I have a few things to say about this class. This class is full of a lot of hard work. Uh, I don't think you guys know, but this class is some of the uh, hardest working people I've ever seen. Uh, there's actually two valedictorians to come out of this class from our church. So from two different schools. So really impressive. Uh, we even have a 16 year old who finished school and another person who finished school early, two people who finished school early. Uh, we also have people who fought against odds, who worked really hard to get here. When they uh, did not have things going on their side, they worked hard to get here. Uh, we have a class full of worshipers. Can we just celebrate that for a second? They are worshipers. 
Uh, we have people in this class that have known Jesus from when they were really little and some who got to know Jesus during high school. And what an honor it is to get to pray with them this morning, to get to celebrate. Um, but also, I would just challenge you guys, these faces that you're looking at are are part of our church forever. They're part of our family forever. Uh, some of them will go and have amazing careers and be entrepreneurs and own their own businesses. We have people who will be teachers. We have people who are going to worship the rest of their lives and lead us into worship. We have so many in here who are going to do amazing things, work in the medical field, lots of things. So what I ask is that as we pray, would you pray for their futures, but would you also pray for our future church? Because this is it right here. They are going to be awesome Christians in the world. So we have the honor that Pastor Dennis is going to pray uh, and lead us in that. Would you guys outstretch your hands with me? Father, I want to thank you for each and every one of these lives that have been designed and created by you. I thank you for their uniqueness. I thank you, Father, for the destiny that you have for them. I thank you, Father, that they're part of us. And by that, I just mean they're humans like everybody else. They got all the same issues. They got all the same kinds of questions, and yet they're finding you in the midst of those questions. They're finding you in the midst of those circumstances. They are choosing to be people who follow you. They are choosing to be people who celebrate and worship their God. I thank you, Father, for who they are. I thank you, for, again, for their destiny. I thank you for their life that, and the choices that they're going to make, significant things about their lives that will be decided in the next few years in terms of careers, in terms of how they are going to structure their families and where they're going to live. There's just a lot of stuff that's going to happen in their lives that are going to be important decisions for them. I pray, dear God, that you would walk them through those decisions. I pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom. I pray that you give them insight. I pray that your scriptures would come alive to them and that they would hear your holy word and that they would understand from that the direction and will of God for their lives. Bless them, we pray. Thank you that we get to do life with them. God, whether some of them move away and, and we get to be connected on Facebook or whether, God, they stay right here in town and become just a part of the fabric of this community, we are just so grateful that we get to do life together with them, not only up till now, but from now forward. Thank you, God, for who they are, the change and the difference they're going to make in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Guys, I think they've got some gifts for you. They're going to be handing those out to you. <laughs> so don't run off without your gift. They got a they got a gift bag for you guys. <laughs> hey, those of you that are in middle school, this is when you get to take off with uh, Kylie. Justin is here today. I think you guys have got that wrapped up. So if if you are going into Six, seven, eight. I think we're, we're making that adjustment somewhere in here. Anyway, you're headed off with uh, Kylie and Justin. So middle school kids, glad you get to do that. I appreciated that picture of Zeke. It's just a taller version of a dirty kid on a motorcycle. That's, he's, been, he's been riding those bikes forever. It's just, it's just great to see him. You know, he's, he's, he's almost grown up to where he's you know, run, running the big bikes now. So anyway. I just thought that was funny. Just like some things never change. <laughs> just a bigger version of the same dirty little kid. <laughs> that, was, that was just kind of fun to see. That was fun to see. So, Pastor Micah, you're up today. You're going to come explain to us what this parable means. We're going to 
try. Are you going to get it right? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, you can all be the judge of that. <laughs> okay, don't just be making up well, stuff. Well, I'm actually going to ask for some help. I actually need a couple <laughs> high schoolers. If you guys could join me up here, just, I just need two. I, I think Christian is, is nodding his head this way, not this way. I see it. Come on, dude. You can help he's me out. A, he's not in high school. Oh, that's right. He's I'm old. so sorry. You're He's an old, old man. So sit down, old man. <laughs> I need I need a couple of high school kids. Come on. Come on. Oh, we got one. One more. Yes. One more. Br bring some help. Bring some help. It, it won't be bad. It won't be bad. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. We need one more. All right, Trinity, come on up. And I'm going to steal this microphone back. For their sake, come on, come on. No, not at all, not at all. So here, take a seat, take a seat. We're just going to ha have a little conversation here. Um, okay, so here, you can hold that. Uh, so first, just give your name so everybody knows who you are. My name's Sarah Wiltrout. I am Trinity Foss. Okay, I, I want to ask, yeah, give them a hand. They, this, is, this is scary. It's scary to be up here. Okay, so I, I want to present a hypothetical situation. Um, now imagine, now I, I'm not actually asking this, but imagine I came to you and said that my family and I were going to take a vacation, an extended vacation, and we needed someone to house sit. Have you guys ever house sat for somebody before? You have? Yes. Yeah? And was it cool? It's awesome. You can't use the microphone. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Okay. <laughs> So, house sitting. So, um, okay, so let's say that you guys together uh, accept this invitation and you get to take over the house while we're away. Uh, so, what, was, what would be maybe a first thing you'd do? Give it to Sarah. I would probably pray to Jesus. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, don't let some crazy person come and like, you know. <laughs> Help me. Okay, the first time I babysat, the, like one of the kids threw up. And they were like four, and, I, and they were like, I can't breathe. And I was like, are you kidding me? And they're like, no, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> You're all running through CPR, yeah, yeah. first aid. Like, are you bleeding? Like, how do we do this? Yeah. Okay, so you, let's, let's pretend here. So you, you, you move in, you go through your first week, everything's fine. And, and you start to talk, and you realize that we didn't tell you how long we were going to be gone. Okay. <laughs> So now, um, I, but I had given you a few instructions. We had planted, and this is true, we did plant some fruit trees this year. Um, and so I've asked you to take care of the house, make sure that you know, everything is well-maintained. Um, feel free to use everything that's there, but also um, water the trees. They're new uh, and, uh, and, and you know, harvest them when it's time and all that. Okay. Uh, three months goes by and you haven't heard from us. Six months goes by. Nothing. Now, you have lived in our home, and you've tended the trees for a year. You harvested them. You're like, okay, what do we do? You, you called some grandmas and figured out how to can some of the apples, and you made some applesauce, and, and then you, pull, you pulled the cherries, and you made some cordial, because you know, another grandma around said that, oh, that's what you should do is make some cherry cordial, and you're like, what's a cordial? But you made it, and it was really tasty. Um, and so then it comes to the next spring and, you know, the leaves are starting to bud out and, you, and you're like, what happened to the Agnews? <laughs> okay, so at year two, what are you thinking? You died. <laughs> you think I died? <laughs> okay, so Sarah, after a third year, 
How old are you going to be three years from now? 19. So you're 19 years old. You've been in sole, you know, the two of you have been solely responsible for this home and property, Mm -hmm. and you've been harvesting fruit every season. You've been watering and fertilizing and all that stuff. Three years, you're 19 years old. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I should get a lifetime supply of fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So then, now we hit five years, and you're just thinking, what in the world? I, I would, what would you be thinking after five years of no contact whatsoever? I would probably be a little bit like, bro, <laughs> like, I, I'm like, you know, yeah, 22 or something like that. And uh, wait, no, that's not right. I don't know. Anyways, I'm older and I, I need yeah. to like move on. Okay, let's like, jump 10 years down the road. Uh, I probably would have sold your house. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty, yeah. But let's pretend like you stay there. The trees okay. are now huge. All right. Let's pretend. And, and like you've got, like every year, like you just, the, the crop is just enormous. And, and like 10 years down the road, somebody shows up who you've never met and says that Micah sent me to get some of the fruit from the trees. You've never seen this person before. What's your first thought? Um... No. (laughs) No? No. Why? Because uh, I don't know who that person is, and they could be some creepy person. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, Trini, what do you think? They probably know you if they know your name. I figured I'd probably give them a fruit. I have too much anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I don't know what else to do with it. (laughs) Okay. So, you you have to figure out what are you going to do? And so, it's been 10 years, and then we're like 15 years later. 20 years you've been in this house and on this property. You guys have probably f- started families. You're trying to figure out, like, what do we do? And, and maybe you built another home on the property or you sold it or what. But, like, then somebody else shows up and says, Hey, Micah sent me. I'm supposed to get some of his fruit. What are you thinking? I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I called. Go ahead. No, say it. When I call the police, I think, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know who these people are. So 20 years later, same thing. Another person shows up asking for fruit. And you're like, what is this? Like, every five years, somebody shows up asking for my fruit. Or is it your fruit? You've been there for 20 years. <laughs> I, There's not a supposed of, to. What do you I don't mean? know. Yeah. Like, I think, like, it's still their fruit. But, like, come on, man. Come get your house. I don't know. <laughs> So now this, this guy shows up. He doesn't look at all like my son, but he says that he's Gabriel. You remember Gabriel from mm-hmm. 20-something years ago. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I don't know about this kid. And he's like, hey, I'm here to get a bunch I of the fruit. I not believe it. <laughs> You're not going to believe him? No. Okay, give these guys a hand. Thank you. That's it. Now, some of you might have picked up on a little bit of where we're going. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 20. We're talking about parables of the kingdom. Jesus tells a parable that is very similar to this story, this hypothetical situation. And we're going to take a look at this. Now, in parables, these are stories that have 
uh, deeper meaning than just what's on the surface, okay? So this is trying to communicate a truth to the audience. So I need to set it up. So at the beginning of Luke chapter 20, there's uh, this exchange between the religious leaders of Jerusalem and Jesus. And they're asking him about his authority. Like, who do you think you are? What author- Where'd you get this authority? Why are you teaching like this? And, and it, Jesus, instead of answering the question, asked them, well, you know, John, the, bab- the guy that was doing the baptizing out in the, the desert, um, where'd his authority come from? And they have a little powwow and they go, well, we don't know. And, and you can read the first couple of paragraphs there and figure out what, what that was about. But Jesus says, well, if you're not going to answer that, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority that I'm doing these things. And then he addresses the crowd. And, and if you want some more details, just look back a couple of weeks ago and, and Pastor Dennis covered that section of scripture. So he turns to the people. Now, this is in the temple. So this is the religious center. Everything about Judaism is happening in this location. It's very, very important to the Jewish people. The temple is the place where we meet with God. It's where our sacrifices are given. It's, it's where God is communicating to us. And you have the chief priests and the Pharisees that are there. They've asked these questions and there's all these people gathered there and Jesus turns to them and tells them this story. He went on to tell the people, this is in verse nine of Luke 20. And if you don't have a Bible, or if you're online, grab a Bible. Uh, we're going to read this, a very large passage, so uh, you're going to want to have something in your hand. So pull out your phone, get your Bible app out, get there. Follow along. I'm reading out of the New International Version. He went on to tell people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him. Thank you so much for not saying that. You beat me (laughs) or my servants, right? They beat this guy up. They send him away empty-handed. Well, at least Sarah's gonna be nice and just call the cops. You know, these guys just, they beat him up. Verse 11, he sent another servant But that one also they beat and treated shamefully is sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. And the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. A father's wrath, right? And the people heard this. They said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and said, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Verse 19, the teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest Jesus immediately because they knew he'd spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. So this passage, Jesus is telling a story 
And those leaders who are standing by, who've just asked this pressing question, who do you think you are that you can come into our church and start teaching? Who, that you can come into the temple and, and start exercising authority here. You're not one of us. You don't belong here. Who do you think you are? And he says, let me tell you guys a story. And he just turns away from them, I picture. He said, hey, there was this guy who owned a field. He planted a vineyard. And he rented it to some farmers. And then when the time came, he wanted some of his own. And they refused to give it to him. Not only that, but they mistreated those who he sent. And after a third attempt, he finally sends his son. And instead of respecting the son, they've already coveted that property and that power and that position. So they kill him in order to steal from the master what was his. What's he going to do? He will take vengeance on those and he'll put somebody else in charge. Now, something that we might not pick up, and it's kind of a perplexing when the people hear this, they say, God forbid, heaven forbid that this should happen. So, uh, one commentator I was reading into suggested that the idea here is that they're in the temple, and, and the people of Israel, they have, in the Old Testament especially, you see all of these vineyard and farming and, uh, and harvest sort of themes. So, they would be seeing perhaps, the connection between what Jesus is telling in this story and the temple itself and their nation and their place. And like, wait, no, 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 we, we can't be supplanted. We can't, no, the temple can't be destroyed. You can't, we can't lose what we've got here. And, and Jesus says, oh, well, hold, hold on a second. Before you jump to that, tell me what this means. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And it's kind of like, that, that's kind of cryptic. And what's going on here? The chief priests know. He's telling this about us. He's talking about us. Now remember, they just asked, who do you think you are? Where did you get this authority, right? And then he tells this story and saying, you were responsible for something and you've taken it for yourselves and you're going to be taken out of here. God will not put up with you any longer. What? <laughs> no wonder their response is, they're ready to arrest him. Get this guy out of here. We're, we're done. But there's a crowd, and the crowd likes him, and so they're politicking, right? Well, the people like Jesus, but we're kind of tired of him. We're really tired of him. Actually, I'd like to kill him. I'd like to just be done entirely. But the people like, oh, how are we going to get around this? Interesting, isn't it? That they've been in position so long that they think it's theirs. They take the authority as if it's their own. And they forget that they were just stewards in the first place. The only reason they have any position or power at all is because it was granted to them. It was entrusted to them. It still belongs to God. Those are still his people. And they missed it. But here's what's interesting is they're not the first generation of leaders in Judaism to miss it. Turn to Ezekiel 34, if you would. We're going to go back and look at these, this prophetic word to them 
a warning. Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 1. So Ezekiel is a prophet. He's speaking this. It's the word of God to them. And you'll notice as we go through a repetition, you know, the hear the word of the Lord. This is what God is saying. And, and so this is not just Ezekiel saying, hey, here's my idea. And I'm really frustrated with the situation here. The, the religious system is not running properly. And Ezekiel's mad. No, this is God is mad. It's not how it's supposed to go. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered, has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for the flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against the shepherds. I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. This is written a long time before Jesus shows up. And this warning is against these leaders, these who were entrusted with the care of God's people, but instead use their power and authority for their own gain and plunder the people. So now as Jesus shows up, and he tells this story, do you see that Ezekiel was one of the servants that was rejected? And now here the son is, Jesus, the son of God, coming, saying, we need the fruit. Where's the fruit from the ministry of tending to the people? Where's the care and the health? And show me what you've done. And instead, they seek to kill him and eventually do. And God will hold them accountable. Unfortunately, the same spirit is in churches around the world today. There are people in Christian leadership who are there using the people for their own gain. They're there for their own power, their own prestige, their own fulfillment. They're getting rich off the people. Pat themselves on the back and feel really good about themselves with all the wise counsel they're giving and, and enjoying all the benefits of the power, prestige, and position. 
and they're not there for the people. They don't have the heart of God. They're greedy or any number of other sins <laughs> that are in the heart of all of us, right? There's that phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? So if any of us are in any sort of situation where you have an influence over others, there's a power that you have there. And we have to be careful with that. And not allow that to, to crop up and, and become something that we start taking advantage of. Verse 11 but before I move on, my wife had a great insight as we were talking about this last night. Maybe you've been a victim of that sort of leadership, which is really not leadership at all. It's just you know, manipulation and power. But as someone who um, I'm humbled and honored to be entrusted with the position I'm in. But being in a position of Christian leadership, I want to extend an apology on the position's behalf. That if you've been in churches or in Christian circles and you know the people were there for their own sake, not because they were either called of God or care about people. Because <laughs> you need both of those, actually. But if you've been a victim of those things, I'm sorry. It's not how God wanted it to be. Some of us in Christian leadership, we've been victims of that same overreach. And God is not pleased when those things happen. So in verse 11, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Ezekiel continues. God is saying this, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land. There they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I'll destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Aren't you glad for that? Many of you can see yourself in that position, scattered, lost. And, you know, there was a storm and I went left, everybody else went right, and where did everybody go? And God is saying, I will come find you. Man, that's a word for somebody. I'm coming to find you. And for many of us in the room, we go, yeah, he has found me. <laughs> Aren't you glad? 
that he has found you. He has rescued you. He has bound up what was broken. He's taken care of you when you were injured and wounded. He has been a good shepherd. And we can be so grateful for what he has done. And one interesting thing, though, is when we've been in a victim place, sometimes we actually start to take on a pride ourselves. Have you noticed this? That, that to insulate, to protect ourselves, we have our own pride that, cry, that starts to grow and, and we're trying to keep everybody else at enough of a distance. I'll never be hurt again, right? And, and we end up criticizing those in positions of power. Well, I would never do that. Well, I know why he's there. The only reason that they're on television is because they're trying to get rich. I know his kind. And we have all of this cynical stuff in our heads because of the past, because of the real injury that we've experienced. We project that onto others and we, uh, we're trying to protect ourselves. But the enemy of your soul will use that to shut you down. And I'm not gonna trust again. I'm not gonna be led by anybody again. I'm on my own. It's just me and Jesus, that's all I need. And so people, we remove ourselves from Christian community. Oh, I don't do church. And without even realizing it, we've put ourselves on a spiritually arrogant pedestal. I can do this better than they can. And I know this because I've done it. And I've seen it a lot where bitterness takes a deep, deep rooted hold because of what was really wrong that happened. And so I don't want to dismiss or, or marginalize the wrongs that are happening. But at the same time, again, an old saying, two wrongs don't make a right. Left, left. I wanted to go that way. I'm still heading the wrong direction. <laughs> now, what's Jesus saying? What is the response? As we continue, Ezekiel just walks us right through this. So God has just said, I will gather them. And then verse 17, as for you, my flock. Oh, okay, now we're talking about the sheep. That's, okay, this is you and I as members of the body of Christ. We're, we're part of this family of God, the flock of God. We're, we're brought into that, um, the, the people of Israel, we're part of that lineage, right? And so we can read ourselves into this part of the story. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another. Oh, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you've muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. 
Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all of the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Do you see the illusion that imagery of Christ's coming in the line of David to be the good shepherd over the people. So there's a couple other issues going on here. You know, if we set these two stories, Jesus telling the parable in the temple, you have the leaders and everybody's like, oh yeah, ooh, boo, bad guy. And we have, you know, the melodrama, boo, hiss, yay, Jesus, boo, religious leaders, yay, Jesus. But there's also people in the crowd. We see this in our men's group on Wednesday nights. And and guys, you're all invited. Wednesday nights is awesome. We had an amazing discussion where Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead and Jesus wept. And we're digging into who all's there and why did Jesus wept? And, And there's a set of characters that you might not have picked up on. And this is in John chapter 11. But at the end of that story, there's a group of people who watched this miracle happen, and guess what they did? They ran to the chief priests and the Pharisees and reported on Jesus. Somebody just came out of the tomb, like dead three days, just rose from the dead, and they're like, oh, uh uh-uh, this isn't good. And like, wait, What? And they run and tattle on Jesus. He's raising dead people. We got to get rid of him. He's causing trouble. Because in the, in the back half of John 11, we see what it's all about. In their conversation with each other, like, what are we doing here? We're going to lose our nation because of this guy. The Romans are going to come in and kick us all out. We're going to lose our position. We're going to lose the temple. We're going to lose, you know, this is just, they're just blowing it up in their heads and they're completely missing that Jesus, the son of God, the savior, who they should be anticipating, who they should be looking for, who they should have recognized. He has come and they're going, no, we can't give up what we've got. We got to get rid of him. But those, they learned about the resurrection of Lazarus from people, not chief priests and Pharisees, just people who saw it. So here's what I see in, when we pair Ezekiel 34's warnings. There are people in churches that are bullies. They're spiritual bullies. I won't ask for a show of hands. <laughs> That could be awkward. And please don't point at anybody. (laughs) It's that guy over there. But we've been around some of those folks sometimes, haven't we? Just arrogant, bullyish people. And they're pretty sure they know how your spirituality is supposed to work. And so they come in and they butt you this way and they push you that way and they, you know, oh, you don't fit in here. You're, you didn't wear the right clothes or your hair is too long or it's too short or you have too many piercings or too many tattoos or you have too much baggage. You make me look bad. I don't want to be around you. 
There's people in the church like that. And, and maybe you would, in your heart, you realize I have to raise my hand. I've been that person. That you have been in judgment of others because you assume your transformation or your story with Jesus is somehow superior to others. Because frankly, to welcome sinners into the family who are trying to figure this following Jesus thing out, it's messy. Sin's messy. The world's messy. I'm messy. If you get to know me, it's... That's my wife. There's still stuff that I'm working on. Right? But we get so focused on everybody else and we start picking all the things that are wrong with them. Jesus tells that uh, another illustration, you know, like you, you want to take sawdust out of somebody's eye, but you got a plank, a whole board in your own eye. You're, you're whacking people. Here, let me help you. It's like, get him out of here. Get a hacksaw, something. Help this guy out. But there's people in the congregation. And, and so what do we do? What, what's our responsibility? What is, what is God saying here? He's saying, I'm going to save my flock from themselves. And Jesus will be our good shepherd. Continuing in verse 25 of Ezekiel 34, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in seasons. There will be showers of blessings. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops and the people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who've enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety. No one will make them afraid. Thank you, Lord. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops. They'll no longer be victims of famine in the land and bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. And we as present-day believers get to be part of this heritage. Jesus was a Jew, by the way. Did you know that? (laughs) Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew. But he died for the sin of the world. He died for your sin, for my sin. And if we come to him in humility we confess our sin to him and to one another, we'll be healed, saved. Jesus quotes these same things of, that his purpose is to come to bind up, the first time you read scripture in the temple, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These things, is what, it's what Jesus is doing now. And what he wants to do through us. 
See, the church, the body of Christ, we are the primary means of the saving of the world. Like that, that's how Jesus is saving people. The, the world out there goes, well, who's Jesus? And they ought to be able to look at people in churches and go, oh, he looks like them. They've been with Jesus, I can tell. And so we've got to get it right in here. We got to do some business, some family business in here. Jeanette, would you mind jumping on the keys and just... Thanks. We don't have to sing anything, but just, just so we have, um, you know, sometimes when it's just dead quiet when you're trying to think, then it's like you have to do something in your pocket and you're all nervous, like, oh, my keys are jingling and my breath mint package is making noise. This kind of helps limit some of that distraction, but just let's think through this. You might want to close your eyes. If you're online, just uh, try and find a place, a way to limit some distractions. And Where am I in the story? Let's think about the characters again. God has a vineyard. He has a place that he wants us to thrive. He has fruit he's expecting from our lives, the fruit of righteousness the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are things that ought to be coming out of us. And and we just stand and we go, God, where am I? Am I in a position of authority? Do I have influence? That maybe I've missed something here that really I'm just a steward of your stuff and, and pride has taken hold. Maybe you need to confess, yeah, I've misused your power and authority. Maybe you've been wounded and you just need to be able to hope again, to be able to trust again. I've seen a lot of things and I I just, I have a hard time going there anymore. So you can just take that wound, if that's you this morning, or as you're listening online, man, there's just so much I've witnessed and so much pain and it's just, it's messy. I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe we could just take that this morning and put it on an altar. Say, God, here's this hurt, the distrust. Lord, I was betrayed. I was lied about whatever your story is and would you be willing to take that and just offer it to Jesus as a sacrifice Lord take it away and heal this wound the first step towards healing is admitting that you're wounded (laughs) or that you're sick So, Lord Jesus, we ask that you be the surgeon of our souls. Heal this broken place. Lord, I don't want to be duped or fooled, taken in. Thank you that you are my shepherd, and I shall not be in want.
that you make me to lie down in green pastures and you lead me beside quiet waters and you, you restore my soul and you guide me, you guide me in the path of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of enemies. You bless me when you anoint my head with oil. You provide for me, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house the house of the Lord forever. There's another group of us that maybe we need to just confess, Lord, forgive us for our spiritual arrogance. Forgive us for being judgmental. Forgive us, Lord, that we have not created a safe place where wounded and broken people can find the Savior. tune that you're hearing. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Can we leave today trusting him more? Have my wife come up. She has another piece to share. Um, as we were praying and talking, um, I just kind of felt really strongly that um, 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 um. we heard this parable from the perspective of all that was going wrong. What would it have been like for Jesus to come and find the leaders of the vineyard, the tenants of the vineyard and the sheep treating each other as they should? Because I keep thinking about this whole thing thread of victory that was just talked about yeah. and um, and I couldn't help but think of a culture of honor what if instead of you know grabbing the bits the best bits for ourselves and oh I stepped in some mud let me clean it up oh were you drinking in that what, <laughs> what if we became the flock that yeah. honored one another and honored our leaders because We've been in leadership before, and let me tell you guys, it's hard. It's hard, and I think it can be easy to say, see a mistake that a leader has made and go, well, psh, they made us sick. And so would you mind joining me? And I'd love to pray a prayer of blessing and of honor that we would be the flock that he finds honoring keeping one another and um, that he would be pleased with that. So, Lord, we come before you. And first, I want to thank you. Thank you that you have won the victory. Lord, thank you that you have made it possible for us 
broken, sinful people as we are and have been to be made to be like Christ. Lord, I know when I look at myself, it sometimes feels impossible. But you have won the victory. And Lord, it is not an impossibility to be the flock that treats one another with honor, that looks on each other with grace and compassion. And so Lord, you have spoken, and will you not do it? You are not a person that you should lie. And so Lord, we wanna stand today, we wanna offer ourselves afresh. I offer myself afresh as your servant, your little sheep, Help me to not only be concerned with what I need, but also with those around me who might be messy and beat up and need that extra. Lord, I thank you and I honor Pastor Dennis and Jeanette. Thank you for your faithfulness in helping them to be thankful. And I thank you, even in the short time that we've been here, getting to know them and seeing that they are shepherds who care about their flock lord none of us is perfect and we all make mistakes but lord i pray a blessing over them and all those lord in positions of leadership here elsewhere in our community lord that you would make us a people of honor yes and lord we thank you because you are doing it Mm -hmm. and we trust you even when it's hard to see so lord here we are We're yours. Thank you for making us more like you. Amen. Go be a light in dark places. You're dismissed.